Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311Cast, your premier Midwestern based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter as we talk to you about college basketball, the NFL, the MLB, and of course, our signature segments, Mike's Stupid Rules and Write That Down Predictions, here on episode 117. The year 2016 marked the Rams' last first-round draft pick, which was Jared Goff, as we all know. With this Matthew Stafford trade that just happened, their next potentially, uh, the next year they potentially have a first-round draft pick is in the year 2024. Pop quiz. What college team has had the most first-round draft picks this century? This century? Since 2000 until uh, the Lord's year 2020, uh, which was the last pick. What team has had the most first-round draft picks coming into the NFL? I think it's a pretty easy one. I mean, the obvious answer would be Alabama. I, I think my obvious answer is Ohio State. Oklahoma with three in 2010, 2018, and 2019. Wait, what? what yeah. Was the question? So I don't understand how three is <laughs> the question. How, how many teams, right? The, the question was first round draft picks. What college did they come from? The total yeah. amount of those, right? I don't think it's Alabama, according to this list that I have, unless it's the wrong list. It, it can't be Oklahoma because LSU had five first round draft picks last year. What? what? What am I looking at then? I have no idea. I have no idea, but who first, no, first overall picks. I'm talking about first oh, overall. First overall. Oh, yeah. Not total first, first overall. Oh. Okay. okay. The way that the question was phrased was. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll take the L on that one, but it, it is Oklahoma with three QBs in 2018, okay. 2019. First okay. overall, I should have yep. clarified. That I would believe. That, 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 that checks out for sure. There, there you go. Before we talk about, I mean, more- I still would have. Yeah, I, I probably would have changed my guess from Alabama to Ohio State, but I still wouldn't have guessed Oklahoma. Yeah. So, Oklahoma, Sam Bradford, Maker Bayfield, and Kyle Murray. And yes, Maker Bayfield was intentional, intentionally flipped. It's a thing, I promise. Before we talk more on that Matthew Stafford trade, we have basketball to talk about, for better or for worse. Mm. I mean, you could call it basketball. Kyle, do you want to do the honors of talking about this so-called basketball that Iowa State has? Well, the Iowa State men's basketball team, I I guess I'm not exactly sure what like what goes on from here. There is talent on the roster, that is for sure. Steve Prom knows how to recruit, he knows how to find talent. There's talent coming in next year, too. The problem is while we can recruit talent, there's just it just doesn't work on the floor. The only talent that has really worked on the floor was the leftover from Fred Hoiberg's time. I I just don't know what it, it something needs to change. And I'm not saying that Steve Prohm gets fired this year, but I think oppor- opportunities need to be explored because. I guess you can't discredit the team a, a ton for the loss to Oklahoma State uh, earlier this week. They had an absolutely wonky ro- roster. Uh, Mike, how many was it? Like seven players that were out, right? Yeah. Um, yep. I said seven players out. They were playing with six scholarship players against Oklahoma State and then six and a half scholarship players against uh, Mississippi State over the Mississippi State loss was a blowout, um, and they just they 
they were competing in the first half, but once it got to like, I don't know, a quarter of the way through the uh, second half, they pretty much needed to start fouling in order to have any opportunity to win that game. Um, and they didn't. It's just a bad loss in what's going to be a very rough end of the season. As we talk, as Mike talked about last week, they have, they play a gauntlet of games uh, coming up and highlighted with uh, KU in three, three within three days of each other. Although side note, KU continues to lose, which is, I think absolutely hysterical. They have dropped all the way to fifth place in the big 12. Um, something's wrong down in there in Lawrence. Uh, we'll see. And also this, there, there are rumors starting to swirl, uh, from some local reporters in Kansas city that are saying that, uh, KU could be facing some major allegations to, uh, stemming from their NCAA investigation that has happened within the past two years. So, uh, it could be a little bit of a fall off the cliff, but right now Baylor is absolutely controlling the Big 12. Um, they are still undefeated, and Oklahoma has been surging as of late, knocking off Texas, Texas Tech, and then Alabama in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Mike, I think it's all. I also in a, am in agreement that the Big 12 SEC Challenge during the middle of the conference season is stupid. While I agree that it is good to play a challenge with a big uh, Power Five conference in basketball, why the heck does the Big Twelve insist on playing this? This and I guess the Big Twelve and the SEC insist on playing this uh, crossover in the middle of the season. I mean, I assume part of it has something to do with money. Like right? that's when the television networks want it to happen because they know they're going to get some marquee matchup, right? Like. They like know KU that Kentucky is a huge matchup. Right. They know that this weekend they can get matchups like that Alabama Oklahoma matchup was, like the Tennessee Kansas match. Big time top 25 matchups, just because that's the way it's going to stack up. When during the conference season, you may get them, you may not, right? The TV networks are guaranteed them, and that probably makes somewhat of a difference. So. Yeah. All right. It, it makes sense for TV dollars for each conference, but I think it's a little stupid to take a hiatus out of conference, out of your conference season schedule while you're trying to focus on winning your own conference to go play a non-conference you most yeah. likely don't care as much about. Agreed. Um, I just want to go back to one thing on the Steve Prohm point before we move on, right? You said you got a bunch of talent, right? Which is true. I mean, so if you look at Steve Prohm's tenure in the Big 12, Iowa State has the most NBA draft picks of any Big 12 school in the Steve Prohm era. No school has had more NBA draft picks than Iowa State during that time. No Big 12 school, right? So obviously there's been talent here. Granted, some of those were um, Hoiberg's players, but still, Iowa State has had more draft picks than KU, more draft picks than Texas Tech, than Baylor in this time. So he's obviously getting talent, and he's obviously getting that to the NBA, why he can't turn that talent into a ton of success on the court, I don't know. But this, you I mean, he just continues to have talent. Well, and so, like, speaking to your point there, you see a lot of players, right, he's getting players to the NBA. But the unfortunate side is Iowa State is not Kentucky. And I say this for the fact of Kentucky can ship off six players each year to the NBA and reload with six brand new five-star prospects, all shiny tooled and everything. 
ready to go for their SEC play, and they just reload. That is what they do. Not this year, apparently, um, but they reload and run it back. Is But Iowa State is not in that scenario where they get a bunch of five-star talent where they can just plug and play. Uh, they get a lot of three-star under-the-radar talents, occasionally some four-stars in the likes of Matt Thomas um, and the likes of uh, Lindell Wigington as well. But for some reason, Prome just can't put those pieces into the right position. I don't, I don't know what it is. He's had opportunities too. And like Mike said, there has been plenty of talent on this roster. It's just, it, it's frustrating as well. So there might be some changes coming. I don't know if it'll be this year, but if things don't turn around in a big way next year, for sure, next year, uh, we will be seeing a new head coach on the sidelines. Yeah, eventually, I mean, you got to win games, right? Talent is good, but you got to win games. And he's he's sub 500 in his career in the Big 12. Yeah, Iowa, Iowa State doesn't pay Steve Prohm to get players to the NFL. He play the pay him to win basketball games at Iowa State. So. Well, they, that would be interesting if they paid him to play – uh, paid him to get players to the NFL, uh, seeing as he coaches a basketball team there, Mike. I mean, that would be interesting. I mean, hey, Charlie Cola played basketball with Trey Young. Trey Young! Because ESPN can't help either contractually obligated to mention Trey Young in every broadcast. So And show that picture from Norman North High School. But mm-hmm. – Moving on, we are going to talk about women's basketball, where things are a little bit better, uh, but uh, the we do have some unfortunate news for the team this week. They did win their first game of the week. It was a road game against Kansas State. They won that game by two, uh, and I believe Coach or Coach Finley got his 700th career victory out of that game, which is absolutely monumental like monstrous that speaking of not getting, having to get rid of a coach, coach Finley is there for probably the rest of his life or however long he wants to remain coaching for this team. He has had tremendous success on the sidelines for this women's program. And this team has been very, very good this year. Unfortunately, they did drop their home game uh, on Sunday, January 31st to Baylor. Uh, We had talked about that they had beaten Baylor Earlier in the season on the road, uh, that is when Baylor was crying because they had too many people or they had people out with COVID. Um, so they came back and made a statement and beat this Cyclones team on the, on the road. It's Baylor now physical. I was watching the last half of this game. That was a physical game. There were multiple players bleeding at different points in the fourth quarter. There was a long delay for blood. This was a physical game late, especially. These two teams do not like each other. They're scrappy and they were out for They would be surprised if they meet again in the big tournament later. So. Well, they got to they gotta get to the end of the season first. Iowa State's um, regular season conference championship hopes took a little bit of a um, plunge today uh, with that loss. They now dropped to fourth in the conference standings. Uh, behind Baylor, who is number one, and I believe West Virginia and Texas as well. So we will keep you updated on the women's team uh, as they continue their pursuit of winning that Big 12. Moving on to something that is 
coming up in the next week. I'm sure you probably have all heard of what is happening next Sunday down in Tampa Bay, as that is the only thing any of the sports networks can talk about right now. Yeah, and that is the, the Super Bowl. Stanley Cup. Oh, the Stanley Cup, yeah. Right, I'm pretty sure. Right. Yeah, sure. No, the Super Bowl is being played between Tom Brady. Well, not just between Tom Brady, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, it is going to be the first time in NFL history that there will be a home game for a team, although the Chiefs are the home team for this game, uh, which is unique in this situation. Um has there ever been a time where a team was the road team in their home stadium before? I'm sure it's happened. Just something to you'd think about. To, you'd have to look it up. I don't, I don't know. I, not that I can I'm think trying, of. I'm trying to think if it happened once, like in the Metrodome roof collapse where the Vikings ended up being playing at their opponent. Would it have happened team? possibly I don't know. Anyway. in the Meadowlands? Yeah, I suppose. Jets-Giants Jets crossover it would have to have happened. Maybe. But we'll see. Or that, so I think. I think this is going to be an absolutely fantastic game. Uh, a lot, in my opinion, on what's going to have to happen is somehow the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to have to figure out how to stop Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey more than they did in their first matchup in Week 12 when Tyree Kill went off for over 250 receiving yards in just the first quarter. Um, I'm not sure they're going to be able to let that happen again and have a very good chance at winning this game. They made the game close in week 12. It ended up only being a three point victory for the chiefs. I would expect there to be more points put up in this game. I think the big story is going to be Steve Spagnuolo's defense versus Tom Brady. The thing that Tom Brady fell susceptible to, um, Previously in a Super Bowl was to the hands of Steve Spagnuolo in a defense when he was the defensive coordinator for the New York Giants. Uh, that was the year of the helmet catch as well that we all know and love. Um, ended, ended the Patriots' perfect season. And the end of the Patriots' perfect season. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in this game. The The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have a fantastic defense, especially with their defensive line. They got one of their star players back in Vita Vea, their defensive tackle. They've got stars on that line. Shaq Barrett, Vita Vea, uh, Ndamukin Sue, who I think is one of the dirtiest players in the league, but that's up for debate, and Jason Pierre-Paul. Um, and they've got some studs at linebacker, too. So it'll be a It'll be interesting to see that high-flying offense against that defense. Mike, what are your thoughts? I mean, especially, right, because the Chiefs are without Eric Fisher, who injured himself in the AFC Championship game, right, the tackle. So, so they have to do it without one of their best offensive linemen as well. Um, that's, that, to me, is the matchup to watch in the Super Bowl that you just mentioned, between the Chiefs' offensive line and the Buccaneers' defensive line. I think – yeah, I think – Yeah, I think the thing that you're going to see a lot of – uh, to rectify that is moving pockets. You're going to see them trying to pull guards and uh, get Patrick Mahomes out into space a little bit more. Hopefully that turf toe is feeling okay. I don't know what they gave him, some magical juice that made him look fantastic in the AFC Championship game, uh, but that toe didn't seem to be an issue in that game. So if they can get Mahomes out of the pocket, you're right. 
that it is a banged up offensive line. They've been without uh, one of the best tackles in the, at least in the AFC and Mitchell Schwartz since week four or five or six, actually this season. And now Eric Fisher went down with that torn Achilles. Um, so two starting tackles are out. They at least have their starting center also, but that's pretty much it. Yeah. It should be a good game. I mean, I always watch the Super Bowl. I'm looking forward to watching the Super Bowl again. You got any other notes? Thing, what other things should we be keeping an eye on this game, Kyle? So another thing that we should keep an eye on is Tom Brady. So when Tom Brady has a clean pocket, he is extraordinarily efficient this season. But when he faces a little bit too much pressure, uh, these are all rankings according to uh, pro football focus. His completion percentage under pressure, 33%, which ranks 32nd in the NFL. Yards per attempt, 3.1, ranks 30th, and total QBR of 5, which ranks 30th. So if the Chiefs are able to get any pressure on Tom Brady, that is going to be the key to their success. Um, I think in order for the Chiefs to really, and it's surprising to say this, in order for the Chiefs really to have a chance at winning this game, Tom Brady needs to throw interceptions, at least an interception. The Chiefs need to gain an extra position. But another thing to note, I talked about Steve Spagnuolo already. We'll see what his game plan is. Um, In 2018, when Tom Brady faced the Chiefs, back when Bob Sutton was the defensive coordinator, they faced him twice in the same season. Tom Brady was 2-0, scoring 40 points per game. He only he had three for two touchdowns, two interceptions, and had a 91 passer rate. Tom Brady versus the 2019 and 2020 Chiefs with Steve Spagnuolo as the defensive coordinator. He was 0-2, only scored 20 points per game. He had four touchdowns, three interceptions, and a passer rating of 80. So it's going to be unique to see what is uh, – what um, – Steve Spagnuolo will draw up and it's probably going to be a lot of pressure. 35.8% blitz rate uh, since week 11 of the season. So that defense will be coming after Tom Brady to try and disrupt him and not give him enough time to burn him deep. Okay. Well, we've all heard all the stats. It's time as we do in a, on the 8311 cast to make our prediction. Who wants to start? And we're going to start with their prediction. Who is going to win the Super Bowl? Kyle, you're biased, so you're going to start. Uh, I actually believe that Tom Brady is going to get his seventh Super Bowl ring, and he's going to win 35-32. to 32. The reason why he's going to win with that many points is the, least, the fewest amount of points that a team has had to score to beat Patrick Mahomes in a game is 35 so I think that is the magic number for the Bucks. Tom Brady gets his seventh. Um, I picked the Bucks at the start of the playoffs. Um, I've got no reason to go back on that now. I've got him 31-28. 31-28 Bucks. In this I'm game. going against the grain and saying that the Chiefs will win. There's going to be some magic clicking happening in the offense and some crazy defense happening for the Chiefs as well. Uh, they're going to win 35-23. to 23. Wow. 35 23. Yeah. Pretty, pretty convincing, too. Um, And just so everyone is aware, um, the line on this game right now is um, I believe the Chiefs are favored. The Chiefs are favored by three in this game. They're three point favorites. 
Um, ESPN gives them a 52% chance to win. 538 gives them a 53% chance to win. So according to both, all websites in the line um, is that this is going to be a pretty competitive game. They don't see Chiefs as a heavy favorite. So should be a good game. Um, before we move on and talk about that Matthew Stafford trade that uh, Wyatt referenced in the intro, uh, I've got some trivia for you. You ready? Oh, yeah. You're sure going play we are going to play kansas city versus tampa bay trivia here okay all right i got five questions sorry four questions about the tampa bay metropolitan area versus the kansas city metropolitan area whoever gets the most right wins i i would hope i would hope that i have an advantage here Uh, i i think that you do Being that you're from the Kansas City metropolitan area. Larger population, Kansas City metro area or Tampa Bay metro area? Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. Higher elevation? Uh, Kansas City. Yeah, Kansas City is higher. Hold on, I should be writing these down. Otherwise, I'm not going <laughs> to. I mean, we both agreed. We're both, we're both in agreement. I'd say the second one's okay, pretty so you both said, Yeah, I should be doing these one at a time. Anyway, back to the first one. You guys both said larger population is Tampa Bay? Correct. Yep. That's what you both said? That is correct. And you guys both said the higher elevation is Kansas City? Yep. That is correct. I mean, yeah, it's got close to be Tampa to New York Bay. City. Closer to New York City as the crow flies. Kansas City. Tampa Bay. It is Tampa Bay by about 1,000 miles. Um, greater number of professional sports championships. Kansas City. Kansas City. It is. Kyle does win. He got all four. Wyatt, you just got three. You don't get my tiebreaker question, unfortunately. Dang. What would the tiebreaker uh, so question they, what? what would it have been? What, what would the tiebreaker question have been? The tiebreaker question would have been greatest share of Biden voters in the 2020 election. <laughs> Kansas City. Yeah. <laughs> you both would have been correct that it was, it was Kansas City. Yeah. That one was but pretty easy matter. as well. Kyle wins anyway. Yeah. They go, you guys know your, your Tampa Bay metropolitan area and your Kansas City metropolitan area. You are all ready to watch the Super Bowl. Wonderful. Um, in other NFL news, um, as we mentioned, Matt Stafford was traded from the Lions to the Rams um, here this week. Um, in return for Matt Stafford, the Lions got a third-round pick in the 2021 draft, a first-round pick in the 2022 draft, and a first-round pick in the 2023 draft. So two firsts and a third, and Jared Goff for Matt Stafford. Um, it's the first trade of former number one overall picks um, since 1967. So first of all, trading number one overall picks is both Stafford and Goff, where doesn't happen very often. Um, boy, to me, it just seems like the Rams gave up a ton for this. Like, if Matt Stafford is worth two firsts and a third – What's Deshaun Watson going to get? Right. That's that's the question that I proposed to you when we were talking about this. So the crazy thing here is if you I, – I know a lot of our listeners probably haven't gone and looked up uh, a lot of like how the Rams team is built. They have a ton of money spent on their team that is not going to last for very long. And the way that they're set up – we talked about this earlier. They don't have a first round pick until 2024. Now, usually a lot of teams build through either trading 
picks to acquire players, usually in the form of first round picks, because those are the most desirable or by drafting their own first round draft picks when they need to, or trading up in the draft and getting what they need to. The Rams are they're I, in my opinion, they're going all in on Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford is under contract for two years. I don't know if they're going to, if this is going to be a trade and sign situation, which they're going to sign into a little bit of a longer deal, or if it's just going to be for two years. But once that's up, once his two years are up, you've got Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald. You've got all of these expensive players on their team that they're, I'm not sure what they're going to be able to do. So the window for the Rams to win a Super Bowl is two years, in my opinion. After that, you're going to see possibly a Rams team that is reminiscent of the Rams prior to LA back in St. Louis when they were pretty garbage. Um, it's just the way I, they're set up horribly for the future. In my opinion, their window is only open for two years, but what Mike alluded to is if Stafford's worth that much for an aging quarterback, what the heck is Deshaun Watson worth for a 25 year old quarterback who is currently at this stage and all the all-time leader in quarterback passer rating. I, and that, I don't know. Do you have to trade the whole franchise for him? Yeah, I don't know. I'm just amazed at how quickly the Rams gave up on a quarterback that took him to the Super Bowl just two years ago, right? Was it two years ago or was it three years ago that Jared Goff and the Rams were in the Super Bowl, right? And basically they were one, they were one deep, slightly overthrown deep pass away from winning that Super Bowl. Yeah. It was, it was two years ago because that was the year that the Patriots beat the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. So yep, I, yeah. they gave up super quickly. There were a lot of rumors that the uh, relationship between Goff and McVay was strained. Um, both McVay and um, who's the owner for the Rams? Or maybe Stan not the, Clark. Uh, Clark. No, the GM, Sneed, or Snee, I think, whoever he is both in their press conference after their loss to the Green Bay Packers, both were uncommittal to Jared Goff as their starting quarterback going forward, and now we see why. But this is just a question. Looking back on it now, what's the question? Uh, So the question is, if you are – the Texans have said they want to keep Deshaun Watson. Obviously, he wants out. If you're a team trying to trade for Deshaun Watson, are you going to have to swing some uncanny deal where you say, all right, we'll give you a first round draft pick every single year that Deshaun Watson is on our roster, on the team's roster? Like, Is that the type of deal you're going to have to swing to get him? I don't know if that's a legal trade in the NFL. Like, I don't think you can trade – like, you, the trade has to be established, Right. Right. They, they don't have some system like the NBA where the pick is lottery protected for three years and then it's open. Some of, you know, that stuff that makes NBA trades so ridiculously convoluted. Um, I don't think you could do a trade like that in the NFL. You either trade the pick or you don't. Yeah. And I guess I, I think Deshaun Watson, I haven't confirmed this, but I think Deshaun Watson is under contract for three more years. So I guess if you're going by that standard, it, would only be three first round draft picks, but they're, that they're giving up. But I think Deshaun Watson's worth a whole heck of a lot more than Matt Stafford is. Um, so we'll see an interesting tidbit that I did see today came from an LA times reporter that said 
uh, close to the Rams organization that said they were in heavy pursuit for Aaron Rodgers before shifting their focus to Matt Stafford because the Green Bay Packers uh, asking price for Rodgers was too high. That would have been very interesting to see Aaron Rodgers out in L.A. with that team. Yeah, if Aaron Rodgers got traded, yeah, that would have been some pretty interesting news there. But he wasn't. It was Matt Stafford, and which was still interesting, but also not quite as interesting as Aaron Rodgers' trade would have been. Also, in camps close to Matt Stafford, he said he would have accepted a trade to anywhere but New England. New England seems to be a less than desirable place to go play right now, and I think that is attributed to the fact that they have absolutely zero offensive weapons to work with out there and probably also the fact that there is no idea if Bill Belichick will continue coaching for a while but either way this is the start to an absolutely wild I believe offseason for quarterbacks in the NFL you got the likes of Jimmy Garoppolo Aaron Rodgers uh Tua Tagovailoa Deshaun Watson their name Sam Darnold their names all being brought up in trade rumors so it could be a very unique, very interesting offseason for quarterbacks. We only know that there's two quarterbacks that aren't really going anywhere right now, and that would be uh, Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. So, I mean, we'll who says Brady doesn't just retire if he wins? Well, yeah. If, if he wins, does Brady go out on top? So, Hang it up? I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? We will see. Something to keep an eye on. But for now, enjoy the Super Bowl. Enjoy the game next week. We'll talk about it all on next week's episode. Um, Give you all the details and the analysis. But for now, we're going to move on to something that I am more looking forward to than the Super Bowl, which is the start of the Major League Baseball season, or hopefully the start of the Major League Baseball season. So as is the tradition apparently now um, in Major League Baseball, the players and the owners can't come to any sort of agreement um, on the terms of play. So just in the last week, things that have happened in the last week is um, the uh, some of the teams have their spring training, um, have asked the league to postpone spring training a month um, because of the COVID situation in Arizona, um, which is somewhat reasonable, but also not somewhat not reasonable because this Arizona is the same state where the uh, Coyotes in the NHL and the Suns in the uh, NBA are playing games with fans in the stands already. So it seems like they're putting a undue burden on an outdoor sport in baseball. Um, and there's also rumors circulating that the, uh, the commissioner's office and the league, Major League Baseball, put some pressure on those officials um, to write that letter because the MLB is looking for more leverage over the players for a delayed start to the season. Because right now, to be frank, the owners have no leverage over the players to do anything. Like the players don't agree to a deal. The result is that the season starts on time, right? Unless the owners are going to lock out the players, which would be vastly, vastly, vastly unpopular. Um, that would be just a disastrous decision by the owners, in my opinion. So unless the owners are just going to lock out the players, um, the season's going to start on time unless they come to some sort of agreement. Unlike this um, summer where if they didn't come to an agreement, it could, dro- it could go on um, indefinitely. This one, if there's no, one ag- no agreement, 
the season just starts spring training starts in two and a half weeks is, is the result. So the league did make another um, offer to the players here just this weekend. Um, the league offered for 156 game season. So shortening it only by six games. Um, but the would be delayed by one month, hoping to allow more fans in the stands once the season started um, with the world series to be played in mid November. Um, and that proposal also um, had a universal DH, excuse me, and expanded playoffs. Um, th- what I'm hearing is that the league is also, or the players are going to turn down that deal as well. Um, why they're going to turn that one down doesn't make as much sense to me as the others, because the league said they'd still pay the players for a full 162 games. So the players don't really lose anything in that one. But I mean, at this point, I think, what the players are doing is they're realizing they have all the leverage and they're just saying, no, we want all the baseball. They're trying to position themselves in the fans, good graces for what's going to be a messy labor negotiations at the end of this season. Like I've talked about previously. So I think the players just said no to try to keep the fans happy with them. So we can get as much of a normal baseball season we can. So hopefully we'll take the players side during a messy labor negotiation um, next uh, next winter. Um, we'll see how that goes and we'll see how that goes with the next CBA. But right now I still fully expect the baseball season to start on time with spring training here in two and a half weeks, just cause the owners have no leverage. So that is, uh, the latest on the MLB labor negotiations and season starting. Um, I'll keep you updated on that in future episodes, if there's anything to report, but now we are going to move on to everyone's favorite segment of Mike stupid rules. Um, without any NFL games this week, we're going to go back to um, the NFC Championship game for another um, for another rule. So we're going to talk now about a situation that happened in the NFC Championship game at the two-minute warning. So the clock was stopped for the two-minute warning. Um, and Tampa Bay had the ball second and one. Um, and if you remember, the Packers jumped off sides. Basically deciding with the number of timeouts they had left, they liked their chances to stop the Buccaneers on first and 10 um, more than they did on second and one, since they still had enough time to stop the clock after all three plays since they had all their timeout. Um, So the Packers jumped off sides. And in this case, the Buccaneers accepted. They took the five yards. They took the first down um, and play continued. But what's interesting is what would happen if the Buccaneers would have declined then in theory, the Packers could have jumped off sides again and the Buccaneers could have declined again. And this could have been an infinite loop because unlike in a running clock situation, we're in a running clock situation. If you commit um, the same penalty three times in a row, it's a 15-yard unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. In a stopped clock situation, that's not the case. So in theory, this could have gone on forever um, until the official would have warned the Packers and then eventually um, used um, Rule 12, Rule 12, Section 3, Article 4, which covers what is called a palpably unfair act. Um, so basically, the officials have discrepancy to declare something a palpably unfair act. Um, in this case, it would be a palpably unfair act of delay of game. Um, would basically be what they're declaring. They wouldn't do this unless they warned the Packers, be like, hey, if you do this again, we're going to declare a palpably unfair act. So this would, wouldn't, in reality, this would have never happened. 
but it's an interesting uh, theoretical rule. So if the officials declare a palpably unfair act, the penalty for that, according to Rule 12, Section 3, Article 4, is that for a palpably unfair act, the offender may be disqualified. In this case, it would probably be Green Bay's coach. And then the referee, after consulting with the officiating crew, um, enforces any such distance penalty as they consider equitable and irrespective of any other specific code penalty. The referees may even award a score. Now, I don't know what the referees would have decided to do in this situation since awarding Tampa Bay yards would have been exactly what Green Bay was looking for anyway. Like, I don't know what they would have done for their palpably unfair act penalty unless they just would have given Tampa Bay points and called that good. I mean, it's interesting to theorize about. It never would have happened. But there are times where this has been called. Um, most recently, um, it goes to situation we've talked about before where like a player comes off the bench to make a tackle, right? Normally, without the palpably unfair act rule, the most you can do for that is um, an unsportsmanlike conduct, 15-yard penalty, right? But if they do it to stop a touchdown, the official can rule it a palpably unfair act. And there's where awarding a score could come in, right? They could award the, a touchdown in that case, and they have. Um, so that's where the palpably unfair act rule comes into effect. Didn't actually happen in the game, but it was interesting to theorize about because it could have in that situation because there was no other rule to prevent the Packers from going off sides and the declining it repeatedly. So a little backstory right? on this rule. Yeah, I have a little bit of backstory on this rule and how it kind of came to be. Uh, we talked about this briefly before we started the episode, but I did a little, little more research into it to figure out why, why this actually came. Uh, in the early 70s, Kansas City had a tight end uh, by the name of Morris Stroud. Uh, Mr. Stroud was six foot, 10 inches and could get quite vertical. Kansas City intentionally placed him in the end zone to try to block a field goal attempt, right? The thought is that if, if a field goal attempt was low enough and he could block it, there wasn't anything in the rule book that said that you could not do that, right? The NFL realized what was going on and immediately put this probably unfair act into the rule book. So if uh, Mr. Stroud was able to actually block a field goal attempt, they could call that a palpably unfair act and then therefore award. Uh, this is apparently also known as a Morris Stroud rule by some really old NFL people who were around when this was enacted. But that's kind of the backstory on this rule and how it came to be. Nice. That is an interesting history lesson. So there you go. Um, you now have the application and the history lesson on Rule 12, Section 3, Article 4 of the NFL rule book for palpably unfair acts. Um, that's another really rare one, so you probably won't ever see it. But now if you do, you know uh, where it's coming from. Moving right along into our Write That Down Prediction segment and our ever-popular accountability session. Um, our accountability session uh, actually won't be that popular this week because uh, we, we don't have anything. The, nothing came off the board. We'll definitely have more come off the board this next week after the Super Bowl because there are numerous um, – Super Bowl predictions off the board. So next week will be a much more interesting accountability session, but this one is over before it starts. Kyle, do you want to start our uh, putting predictions back up on the board for us here? Yeah. So as I alluded to earlier um, in this episode, I said that the window of opportunity for the Rams is now. So with that being said, I am predicting that the Rams are going to the Super will be the Super Bowl representative for the NFC next season. 
Rams will be the NFC. Um, boy. I mean, that's got to be a home run, right? Like, there's so Probably. much. Probably. Like, this, yeah. It, it has Predicting to be. Predicting it this far in advance. Yeah, I think that's a home run. I agree. Home run. Home run. Home run. All right. My prediction, Um, to double down on what I was saying in our MLB segment, I'm saying that baseball season, the regular season starts on time. Regularly scheduled. Twins opening day is April 1st. Baseball season starts on time. Uh, yeah, I think it will. Like, do we have any reason to think that it wouldn't start on time? I mean, if the owners can get an agreement with the players, it would delay the start of the season. I don't know if they can reach an agreement, but if they do, it would delay the start of the season. Or if the pandemic gets much worse between now and then and they're forced to, which seems unlikely at this point. But I am not an epidemiologist, so don't listen to me on pandemic advice. <laughs> that, that's our legal disclaimer. Right. Yep. I don't know. I'm I'm thinking either a single, may, maybe a double. You might be able to convince a double out of me, but I, I'm still kind of thinking. I mean, what the league want? is still trying. So what, do you, what do I want for it? A home run. What do I realistically <laughs> want for it? A very different question. What do you realistically want for it? Single or double. <laughs> Why it said single. All right, here we go. Single it is. Okay. Single it is. That's fair. I will not complain. I had no idea what to do. Yeah. My prediction is that there will be a failed try in the Super Bowl. And if you were to rewind and go back to our score predictions for the Super Bowl, you'll notice that my score prediction was 35 to 23, where 24 would normally be uh, your quote-unquote normal score if you, you count successful one-point tries. 23 would be there was a missed try. And that's my prediction. There's so going to be a missed try in the Super missed Bowl. extra point or two-point conversion – in the Correct. Super Bowl to translate Correct. for our non, uh, non-technical listeners. Um, double, mm. triple, home run, not a single. Butker <laughs> has been Butker's missed quite a few extra points this year. Um, triple do you think he's probably? gonna do you think he's gonna miss one in the Super Bowl? <laughs> he can make fifty-seven yard field goals, but he can't make an extra point. Um, triple, I guess. Yeah, I think triple. Unless yeah. you, if you lobby me hard enough, I might give you a home run, Wyatt, but I'm thinking triple. I, I have no reason to. I, I honestly don't know. If we had like more facts on what the weather would be and stuff, I mean. It's yeah. Tampa Bay. It'll be warm and sunny. Yeah, but will it be windy? You know, what well, direction will the wind be? It'll be sunny at 7 o'clock at night. Okay, fine. Be that way. What do we have from Josh this week? See, uh, is he still alive? Nope. I guess I, I well, he survived, he survived the snowstorm in Iowa. You survived the snowstorm in Iowa. I, job. We didn't get this latest round yesterday. We didn't get anything. Oh, I was talking about the one earlier in the week. Oh, like, yeah. The one before that. Definitely surprised. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's what I was talking about. He did. Um, anyway, Josh um, is a believer in Tom Brady as well, like Kyle and I are. Um, he's predicting that Tom Brady and the Buccaneers win the Super Bowl. Wrong. I mean, it's not wrong yet, but I mean, basically we said it's 50-50, right? In an 83-11 cast, a 50-50 prediction is a single. These are bold predictions, so 50-50 equals single. Too bad we couldn't have gave him a double because if we would have, that would have been hitting the cycle right there, but we didn't. Give me a double so we can hit the cycle. You were thinking about it. Uh, We can't. We already gave it to you. I already tried to motion for demoting Kyle's prediction last week. (laughs) That failed, so... Therefore, by that logic, we also cannot increase your already stamped in a prediction. Okay. 
Since we don't have the cycle, but we have two singles, a triple, and a home run, that still means we're at the end of the right that after segment, so eh, it doesn't really mean anything. Moot point. But that also means we're at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening to episode 117 of the 8311 cast. Appreciate y'all sticking around and listening to us every single week as we know you do. Signing off for the 8311 cast, we have your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter. We'll talk to you again next week. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones.